one of the reasons that they've got me in and they've said, look, they said, just absolutely clear, being absolutely honest with me and said, do you know what? Our kids who are from um, an Asian background, they need male role models. So they've told me straight away that they want me in because of the color of my skin. There are more Asians involved in football than you would expect. There are nowhere near as many Asians involved in football as there should be. Join us on the Our Game 2 podcast as we celebrate the ones that are and discuss the ones that aren't. Okay, we're recording this show on Thursday the 29th of October, a couple of days before Halloween. Z, how you doing? You all right? Very well, Pooh. How are things going with you? Yeah, things are interesting. So yesterday, the FA and several other bodies announced the release of the Football Leadership Diversity Code. Have you had a chance to have a look at that as yet? I haven't browsed through it. I've been told about it, um, but I've had a look at some of the bullet points from it. Yeah, so, I mean, the main bullet points are that it's, it's a voluntary code, about 40 football clubs so far have signed up to it and it includes what's it include so it's not quotas but it's it's targets for representation of females and the bame community in both coaching and and other jobs within within the club so it'll be interesting to see how that goes we will try and get someone on from somewhere possibly either the FA or I know Kick It Out were involved as well, or possibly one of the 40 football clubs to discuss that in a little bit later. But I think it's progress, right? Definitely. I think um, it was uh, something that needs to be happened. And we've been talking for so long, haven't we, about change. Um, and now there's an intent that, that's been put out there that we can measure clubs against. I think it was 19 of the 20 Premier League clubs have signed up to it. So that's given it prominence at the top level of the game in this country. Um, and now it's a yardstick that we have to hold people to account to. Yeah, definitely. Because I think one of the things we've identified before as a problem is the fact that you've got the FA that looks after grassroots in the national game. You've then got the EFL. You've then got the Premier League as bodies. And then each individual professional club is run as its own entity. So there hasn't been something standard or uh, across the the game so yeah this is a step in the right direction okay we'll just like i said we'll we'll come back to this at some point we'll put we'll try and get someone on from the fa to explain in a little bit more detail now i'd like to welcome to our show trishan patel trishan hello hi how are you okay phenomenal thank you very much for asking so trishan you're well the reason i know you is that you're the assistant manager of burke Hampstead fc so first of all would you like to just introduce yourself and let us know what else it is you do i believe you run a football school of some sort and some training as well is that right yeah so i've been um i've been coaching for over 15 years now um, i'm 33 years old so 
um, I feel as if I've got a wealth of experience now and, and I truly love what I do. So I've got my own coaching company, which centers around working with young people in school. So I use football and mentoring as a tool to engage with them. So I've created like four programs, a behavior program, a social skills program, a leadership program and an elite mindset program. So what that is about is, is simply teaching them life skills through football and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fun, fun way to help change lives, you know? Okay, fantastic. And where are you based? I'm based in Luton and um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I get, get about, so I'm in London too. So um, I like to kind of travel around as well. So most of the work that you're, you do for the coaching of the schools, etc., is that local to where you are around lo- the Luton kind of area? Yeah, so Luton, London, and obviously due to COVID, I've had to adapt myself. So all of my programs are actually accessible online. So I've just signed a deal with a, a, a football academy in India called Rebels FC. So now I'm delivering my programs out to those players out there. And I've got a, another one in a different country, which will hopefully be announced in the next couple of weeks. So it's um, it's an international program now, which I'm really proud about. Fantastic. Congratulations. Trishan, all right then. So, tell us a little bit about your football career. How did you get started in football? I guess to, on the steps towards a the coaching side and making a career out of it as well. Um, I'd say straight from my household. Really, my household is a, a very sporty, um, sporty household. My mum and dad played sports growing up, and I've got three brothers. So I've got two older brothers and one younger brother. And as you can imagine, the house was absolute manic. Vases were being broken from all the balls flying around. You know, lots of arguments, lots of competition. Um, and yeah, I've always kind of played different sports, but football was was my love. Um, I got to a stage when I was like 16, 17. I played county, district, but I don't know. I, I just kind of knew that I would, I would never be kind of good enough to play at a, a professional level. So the next best thing for me was coaching. Um, I've always been an absolute geek for football, whether that's watching, talking about it, analysing it. I've just, I'm just obsessed, you know. So I started doing my coaching badges when I was 18. And my first experience was out in America for a, a co- coaching company called UK International Soccer. I spent three three months there, and when I returned, I knew straight away. You know what? This this is for me. This is what I wanted to do. Okay, so you did that at eighteen. Did you? What kind of education have you got? Did you go to university? Yeah, so um, I actually left college to go to this football um, coaching position out in America. Uh, so I didn't go straight to university. Um, when I came back, I, I got a job as a, a PE leader in a local primary school and I did, I did a university degree part-time. So in the evening, um, so I've got a, a degree in applied education studies. So, um, yeah, I have got a degree. I've got a, a B license, uh, an FA youth award, and I'm just on the FA's development program, which, which is kind of like a, a support network. For, uh, for, for you to get onto your A license. The A license applications open up this month. So, uh, yeah, I've been working towards that and hopefully I can be successful and, and get on that. Okay, fantastic. So, how, where did you do your, or which club do you do your B license through? 
Um, I was actually at the time you, you didn't need to be associated with with a club. I was working like uh, with a local grassroots team, but they've changed that now. So I did my B license when I was twenty one, so it was quite a while ago. Um, but now, obviously, you need to be associated with a club, and I'm at Burke Hampstead, which is a, a step four site. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really hopeful, you know, to, to kind of get on. I've got a really good mentor. I know you mentioned the, the FA and maybe speaking to someone from there. My mentor is um, Butch Fazal, uh, who works at the FA, and um, yeah, he's been nothing but inspirational for me, you know, on my journey. Yeah, I've met Butch. He's a very enthusiastic and passionate bloke. We'll we'll try and get him onto the pod at some point. Um, okay, so the I've never heard of the UK international soccer scheme. So can you tell me a little bit about that? How did you find out about that? How did you get involved? Well, I, I was at college and um, I was actually in a classroom where, do you know what, I just had little motivation. Like the course that I was on just didn't really thrill me. And somebody came in from UK International Soccer Camps and, and told us about a coaching opportunity that can occur in the summer. I literally went home that night, filled in a form. Within three weeks, I'd got my visa and I'd booked my flights. And it's something that I just kind of just did. It just kind of happened. And it was probably one of the most probably important decisions that I made because, what, 15 years on, uh, I'm involved in football full time. And I consider myself so lucky, you know, to, to, to have that, to have that every day. I wake up every day and I look forward to working with all kinds, you know, um, young people, uh, senior players. I've got a professional player as, as one of my clients when I do one-to-one. So it's been very wholesome, I'd say. Okay, superb. Sorry, just taking it back to basics a second. A question that I usually ask people when I remember. First of all, what is your ethnic background? So um, my ethnic background, I'm British. I consider myself to be a British Indian. So my grandparents are born in India, but my actually my mum and dad were actually born, born in Kenya, yeah. um, and I was I was born in Luton. Yeah, no, similar to many people I know. And which football team do you support? I'm a big Liverpool supporter, champions of uh, England, champions of the world. <laughs> I didn't ask you to say all of that. We just asked you which team you I know, I know. I quite get that in. <laughs> okay, so we are recording this, like I said, on the 29th of October and the mighty hammers are taking you on on the weekend. So we'll bring you back down to size. And if we don't, I'll, I'll, I'll edit this out. No chance. His record at Anfield, I don't think he's won a game at Anfield, David Moyes, so I fancy us. Uh, t- yeah, let's, to be honest, yeah, you're, you're probably, you're probably right, to be honest. So that's, that's the end of my bravado. Like I said, I'll end up with egg on my face otherwise. Um, <laughs> so when you did this UK international soccer camp, what, how did that work? Did you need coaching experience prior or did they take you over there and then, and then give you the experience or the coaching to become a coach? Um, I think it was a mixture of everything. I think, uh, they, they just required a basic level one, which I already had. I didn't have much um, coaching experience beforehand, but I saw that as an opportunity for me to to kind of go out of my comfort zone. It was a completely different country. It was actually my first real experience of having regular sessions with young people. So I almost didn't know what to expect either really going out there, which was probably a positive thing because you because you, you don't know what to expect. You, you've got nothing to be nervous about. Um, and it was just the way that you were treated out there. Like it was like we were celebrities. The uh, the parents really thought that 
we'd come all the way out there to coach their child and that was that was really nice you know uh, we made some really good connections with with the players with parents parents would invite us to barbecues um uh they would give us tickets to basketball games i think i came back a stone stone heavier when i when i came back because of all the parties and barbecues we were invited to uh so this was around 2005 right 2008 i believe 2008 okay and so when you did the camp were there many other just going back to asians for a second were there many asians that did the did the course the camp as well no i was i was the only one you know i I was the only one and when i first started my coaching journey i was kind of oblivious to that i didn't really notice it um it's not until i started progressing through um like experience kind of made me question things um but no, I was I was treated really well out there. Okay, and so in your journey from that point onwards, getting your B license, etc. Okay, at what point did you start noticing that a there's not a lot of Asians, and did you start? Did you have any any rationale in your own head as to what that that why that might be? Um, like I, I, it was only when I first got like a my first part time coaching gig at a a local professional side and I went in there and when you go into new places it can be a bit daunting and one of the first things I noticed when I walked into the room like you kind of almost search for people that look like you I know it might sound a bit weird but you just yep, no, kind of, what you mean. yeah and there was no one that kind of looked like me or that I felt could identify with me and that's just a, a probably a normal kind of reaction but once I'm, I'm quite um sociable so I like connecting with people I like meeting people um and once I kind of got through that it, it was okay it was okay but again as as I progressed through I had one scenario where I, I'd, I'd got my b license quite quite early so that's why I trans transferred onto uh into a pro club and I used to go to a, a session on every Tuesday every Tuesday there used to be five 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 children there um week by week I saw other groups kind of growing and I was just kind of like expected just to take five children you, you know and the other coach who'd come in way after me who'd got his level who just had a level one he he seemed to kind of get better treatment than me you know he, he got a he got a full class of 15 um each time and I just I don't know that's when I first started to question you know like hmm I don't know whether I was treated differently oh interesting okay um I won't ask which club it was so if you how so I believe after or at some point you ended up working with Liverpool is that right yeah Yeah, I, I applied for a job um at Liverpool International Academy and yeah what I was does that mean International Liverpool. Academy so it's it's almost like a um you know how clubs do half term like soccer schools um but this is just on a a larger scale so liverpool will run um soccer schools during half term but they'll also work with their partners and um sponsorship so my first job for liverpool was uh a a job for standard charter so we'd have we'd we'd got a, a load of kids onto the pitch and we'd we'd put on some sessions, some technical sessions for them. So that was my first job actually on the pitch at Anfield. And 
Oh wow! It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It's like obviously I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big red, and that was like a dream come true for me just to be on that pitch. You know. Okay, and so how much work did you do with Liverpool, and how long were you with them for? So I'm still with Liverpool, so it's it's it's, it's a very much a casual uh, role. So whenever you're available, um, you can put your your name forward. Um, at the minute with Burke Hampstead and with my own coaching bits, I've not really had much time um, recently, but yeah, I'm, I'm still involved. Okay. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Burke Hampstead? So first of all, where is Burke Hampstead for those that don't know? So Burke Hampstead, I would say is about 40 minute drive from Luton. Um, so again, probably an, uh, an hour's drive from London. Um it's not too far. Uh, and we are, I've only just got the gig back from the start of the season. I was at Biggleswade United last year. I don't know whether you know Guillaume Balaguer. He's a um, Spanish football yep. expert. He, yeah, he was he was a chairman at Biggleswade United last year. And okay. um, yeah, me and the manager, uh, we were obviously involved there. And we led Biggleswade United to their highest ever finish. Um, we finished third. We were on course for promotion until COVID hit us. We'd actually got into a cup final as well, where we'd knocked um, a side above us, like a, a level above us out. So we had a cup final to look forward to, and we were third. And then from there, Burke Hampstead approached us, you know, um, with an opportunity. And in football, you got to t- I think you've got to take these opportunities. So, yeah, we're, um, we're, we're in the playoff positions early, early on, which is good. And, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Okay, so again, for people who don't know, and I've got to hold my hand up, I'm one of them. Where is Biggles Wade? So Biggles Wade, again, is is not too far away from Burke Hampstead, to be honest. It's um, just outside of Luton. So these these jobs that we were kind of offered, like it just makes it easier for us because it's that's not too far away. I've been given like I've been offered opportunities, and they've been hour or hour and a half away, and it's just it's just not possible for me, you know, because of um my school commitments. Okay. So what, what level do Biggleswade play? So Biggleswade, you know, to play at uh, step five and um, okay. Buckhampton at step four. So yep. it's just a, a division jump. Right. Okay. And you've said a couple of times we, so when, when you say you were approached, were you approached as an individual or through your company or as a coaching team? So as a coaching team. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the assistant manager and, um, my my friend Chris, he's he's the manager. So yeah, we've worked with each other for a couple of years now. So um, we've just got a really good working relationship, and I've I've never kind of hid the fact that I've said, you know, at some point I'm gonna fly the nest, as you as you say, and and hopefully have my own have my own gig where I'm um, a, a manager and I get to make those those key decisions, you know. But um, I, I feel as if I, as if I'm in a really good learning environment, and I've still got lots to learn. Uh, until that opportunity comes okay so Biggles Wade set five how many what sort of numbers of fans that used to attend the games pre-covid so uh, at Biggles Wade it was a we used to get like 150 so 150 at at Burke Hampstead our last game we got 400 there so there's a bit of a bit of a jump there um yeah, it's, 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 they're both fantastic clubs, you know. You, you don't realise uh, how amazing these clubs are until you're really 
deep involved with them, like the volunteers that they've got, the, the, the fans that turn up, wind, rain, snow, they're there, you know? So you, it's, it's a, they're really, really special clubs, these non-league clubs. Yep, definitely. So again, going back to Asians for a second, both in terms of players as well as fans, how do you see many Asians in either of those capacities at these two clubs? It's funny, actually, because um, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Butch was actually came to see me on game day. He had to come and see me as my mentor on game day. And one of the first things he said to me after the game was, uh, Trish, the first thing I noticed, it was just it was just me and you that were the early Asians out of 450 people, plus star, plus the uh, players. There was two, me and Butch. So um, it makes me proud, but also... Um, Makes me a bit sad, you know, because I know, like you said before, how much there, how much love there is from Asians for football. But you, it just doesn't seem seem that way when you go to football stadiums or you look on TV and you look at the pitch, or maybe if you delve into boardrooms, you don't see that representation. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think one of my frustrations is that I think. For many Asians, there's been a bit of a love-hate relationship with football, for especially for the older generations. As West Ham fans, he will concur with this, that back in the day, football matches, football days, West Ham was in a very Asian area, but shops would shut, shutters would come down because there was a reputation for hooliganism and violence and race, etc., and yeah. so I think that's affected the older generation. And then with the younger generation of that time, they their football relationship developed through TV, which is which is that that's why the Premier League clubs or the bigger clubs are probably overrepresented by Asians as fans. But there isn't that I think that's one of the reasons why there isn't sort of the love for the non-league game that there should be because, like you said, they're brilliant clubs. When you when you look lower down, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, t- I totally agree. And um, yeah, I, I think a lot of work has been done during, especially during this this time and in, in lockdown and with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I, I think what we're trying to work towards is is accountability um, and transparency. I think though, if we can get those two things, I think we're going to make bigger steps quickly. What, what, what do you mean by, by that? Are you talking about at the boardroom level, staff-wise? I think, in my opinion, I don't think um, the game as a whole is, account- is, 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 is as accountable as it should be. So, yes, these um, leadership, this leadership diversity code, great initiatives, but I just feel there's been a few of these kind of initiatives where it looks great, PR, fantastic, but ultimately has it increased has it increased representation on and off the pitch within football I'm not too sure I understand it's a work in progress so that's why I'm kind of um reluctant to over reluctant to overpraise these kind of um, schemes until you know we won't find out until after two three years when, when we do review these things but I'm, I'm hopeful but I'm also a bit I don't know, hesitant as well, just from previous experiences. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. In doing research to set up this podcast, I've kind of read a fair bit. I've 
read things, for instance, Jazz Baines's book, which was written in 98, I think, Corner Shops and Corner Flags. Um, and I, there's various literature I've read through the years. And at each point, anyone who's writing feels optimistic, like this is the time it's things are going to click into place and it's going to happen now. But that was what tw- the Jazz Baines's book was 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so this is what I mean. So like I'm, I'm a very optimistic person in general, but I also feel that I'm realistic too. And I do understand that these type of things will take time to do. I just hope that the people involved in the game who are advocating change um, are afforded the time to do it, you know, and, and are given the real support. It's not just done as like, as like a tokenism. And that, that's one thing that I'm just wary of. Yes. Agree with you. Um, I mean, I, I know kick it out. For instance, we've interviewed Sanjay Bandari, who's chair of kick it out. This is something that is on their agenda as well. It's definitely on the FA's agenda. I mean, having said that, it has been in the past as well. So we'll see what kind of changes this makes and how quickly it comes to fruition. With with the clubs that you've worked with, especially the semi-pro ones, is there? have you noticed... Actually, how am I going to ask this question? Okay, so you're Asian. You're going in there. There's no Asian players. There's very few Asian fans. And like you said, there's... There's nobody in the boardroom as well. How have you been accepted? Has there been anyone questioning your ability or anything? Or have you felt any microaggressions? Um, so this is an interesting. I get asked this kind of question um, frequently. And um, it's interesting because I think over the years, not just in football, just in society, uh, I feel as if like the way I've been maybe perceived when if people don't know me, it's like, it's it can be it can be challenging to how you approach things. So I'll take this example. So I had a, a job in a um, in a in a prestigious school, right? So I've got a job. I've got this job as a football coach, and the person that was taking me round uh, took me into the staff room and he said, "Hi, this is Trishan. He's going to be." And then he stopped and went, "Actually, actually, um, I want you guys to guess what what coach he's going to be." Because wow. obviously this school had cricket, football, tennis, hockey. And I just stood there while whilst he got people to guess. And no one, actually one person said football. The rest said cricket and hockey. And I just thought, wow, like this is what I'm saying. These are the kind of challenges that I face. And I use that as a really good learning tool to kind of, uh, how they say, read the room and, and the room temperature. So I know even from previous experiences, I've got to, I feel like I've got to work 10 times harder than the, than the next person uh, beside me, you know, and um, I've been fortunate enough to go into pro clubs or I've had um, really good links with professional managers where I've asked the question, how is it? I, how is it I can earn players trust? And the, the, the consistent thing that they've said is one, be yourself, simply be yourself. And two, Show them how knowledgeable you are, not by just speaking to them, but by your sessions. So I take real good pride in planning my sessions to make sure that they're 
high, the, the intensity is high. It's fun, but I also engage with every single player there. You know, I might not be able to hit their needs every single time, but I need to be able to um, connect with them from a human level. You know, and that's how trust builds, um, and that's kind of how we we move forward together. Zee, have you got any questions? Because I need to lift my jaw up off the floor after hearing that. <laughs> my, my question is um, related to kind of what you just mentioned just now about kids. Now, as someone of Asian descent, when you're coaching, are kids seeing a coach in front of them, or are they, you know, noticing the color of your skin? And on a, on that same point, when you go to say uh, a men's team and where you're the assistant manager, we got a position of power there. How long do you feel, or was it an instant uh, comfortability for you and the players that you were with, that they accepted you as the assistant manager, regardless of, of, of your skin colour? Or was there kind of some uh, animosity or any, any kind of uh, um, apprehension towards you? I think, like... What you've kind of spoken about, there's two spectrums to it. So like when you've spoken about young people and kids. So when I've gone into schools, I've actually had conversations with um, school head headmaster, head teachers. And one of the reasons that they've got me in and they've said, look, they said just absolutely clear, being absolutely honest with me. And they said, do you know what? Our kids who are from um, an Asian background, they need male role models. So they've told me straight away that they want me in because of the colour of my skin. And when I do go in and they see that I'm a football coach, like they are wowed. They genuinely are like wowed. I feel as if I got I get my respect really quickly with them. Um, and again, that's that that's down to also how you treat them, um, what your personality is like, whether you can relate to them. I feel as if I've gone through a lot of life life moments that I can relate to them you know we, we've got we're lots in common so that's one spe- area uh one spectrum one side of it when I go into adults I feel as if I have to work harder for my trust more um because they know that there isn't many Asian managers Asian coaches um but again it goes back to trusting yourself um I always when I have conversations with them I do let them know about uh, who I am, where I've been, um, not just as a football coach, but during my life, just to get them to understand that, do you know what, I'm I'm, I'm here on merit, yes, but ultimately, forget that, I'm here to help you. That's, that is one of the main things. And I think once players understand that and um, really get their head around that, they'll welcome you. And, and obviously, you've got, to be, you've got to be good at what you do. And Without blowing my own trumpet, I, I believe I'm good at what I do, you know? So that's helped me. Is, is there, is there um, in terms of pressure, is there, with, with the men's team, there's pressure on results. And with kids, uh, there's pressure in keeping them engaged and developing them. Um, which, which one would you say has more pressure for you? Has more pressure? Like, I feel... I feel um, that's that's a tough question. Like, I feel when I'm working with young people, I think uh, they're they're afforded more mistakes because they're young. They are going to make mistakes, so I probably feel more pressure on a Saturday at three o'clock. You know, trying to get those results because I, I, I've been quite fortunate. The two positions I've had, 
with touch wood, we've, we've always been fighting for like towards the top end of the table or fighting for a trophy. So because I'm so used to that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I want to keep that feeling as much as I can. So that's what I'm saying. Training is the hub of everything, everything positive that we do. So at the minute, I can't honestly kind of tell you uh, what it would be like if, if we were kind of like struggling and that. I, 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 might, I might change my mind, but I'd say three points on a Saturday, that's, that's, that's a different type of pressure, but I love it. Okay, so has anyone – I mean, you're so you're from Bedford, which for those that don't know, as far as I know, Bedford's relatively mixed. There's a good – it's a big county, but there's also a good mix of, of diversity – in Bedford and the fact that you're you've been at two clubs semi-pro clubs there and there's been no Asians either in the crowd or on the plane staff etc has is that does that interest anybody else has anyone ever come up to you and said or started a conversation around that just to sort of question why that's the case like like being being born and bred in Luton like if you saw my my friends, my friends are I, I consider like my small group, like family. Like we are so mixed. So there's there's myself. There's uh, uh, three three I've got three black friends. I've got two white friends and one mixed race friend. And when we when we go somewhere else and we're about, we've had people come up to us and say, "Oh my god, you guys are so mixed and diverse." And I didn't notice that you know, un- until like we went uh, away from in different p- places. In terms of football, like, yeah, people have um, just asked me, like, how you how are you getting on? And, yes, it's, it's – I just want to be able to um, use my situation and, and my platform to encourage others to just kind of go for it. I don't want them to be fearful because – I want them to go on and achieve what it, whatever it is that what they want to achieve. Like you being in, uh, being a minority, it's not going to, you know, I, I don't want you that to be something that's going to stop you from achieving your dream. So I'm hoping people look in and see it as inspiration. Certainly. Um, okay. So, all right. So first of all, if someone wanted to to go and watch where can they find details of burke burke amsterd fc so we've got a website um so if you go onto our website you can um you don't have to actually uh book online um unless there's a, a big crowd expected so you can literally come down and pay on the turnstiles um it's a really nice little stadium really compact um the food's great by the way the pies are unbelievable uh, so get get come down, get, uh, get yourself down and experience like non-league because obviously you can't go and see your professional clubs at the minute. So I think that's why there's been an upturn in in attendance with with numbers. Um, it's just a great uh, how I would say raw. It's really raw. Um, the atmosphere, uh, everything about it is great. So get down there. Yeah, I mean, I guess from where you are, it's or where Berkhamsted is, it's listen, it's not a million miles away from northwest London, which has a large Asian population. Luton has a large Asian population, so yeah. so yeah, I mean, I think it it'd be worth. I think the more people are involved and the more people see sort of non-league or the, the whole pyramid 
then I think that's the better it's going to be for for Asians in general. Okay, so Trishan, what's what's next for you? I mean, you said, I mean, first of all, with the coaching side, I know you said you want to fly the nest at some point and start, start manage your own team. How far away do you think you are from from realizing that particular ambition? Well, like, this is the thing about not just football, but life. Like, you can say that you're ready or you're not ready. I think sometimes it's just best just to, if an opportunity arises, just to go and do it. Um, all the experiences and opportunities I've had, I've always taken something from them, you know, like a learning learning tool. Um, I, I start journaling now. So last two years I've journaled my experiences, my thoughts, my feelings, Um but yeah, at some point, I, I couldn't put a, I couldn't, I couldn't say, oh, within a year or two years. I just want to carry on progressing and learning because I'm really enjoying it. Um, but I'd also be open to working abroad. I've always said that because I've looked at the climate, I've looked at the environment here, and I do. I, I'm honest. I'll say, look, I don't see people that look like me getting opportunities, and it's not as if um, they're not qualified. I've got a good friend called Taff. Taf Rahman and um, he's a brilliant coach and he's um, he's had international experience as an assistant uh, for Guyana and he's he's looking for a job here at the minute and I'm hoping that he kind of gets his break but I think you've got to be proactive as well and be open to uh, maybe go abroad so maybe an opportunity abroad may, might come up and yeah let's kind of see where that goes but short term I, I really really would love to get on this A licence um and keep progressing and keep learning and uh yeah just i'm just open really i'm just open-minded on that z i mean what do you think i know we've talked to reese about more young footballers seem to be going abroad do you think that might be a a pathway for asians to to pursue my opinion is that there's a big world out there and just like our parents and forefathers came to to Britain for a new life and we benefit from that, we can benefit the world by going out. Um, I think it's fair to say that you do receive a fairly good standard of um, coaching, education in this country, that you can then take that message out outwards. And there are examples of coaches. Trisha mentioned Taff and there's uh, another fellow called Shadab Iftika. Uh, based up in Northwest, who went to, I forget where it is, but it's South Pacific uh, to manage one of the clubs out there. And he's a UFAB license holder. Um, so the, wor- the world is big. Um, ideally, for our visibility, we want to see uh, more from the South Asian community in England. But equally, with, with the platforms that we have, we can highlight the individuals who aren't here. Um, and are abroad and just like we talk about the players who are playing in places like Greece and Portugal and, and Hong Kong um, we can also say there's a pathway and, and, and an opportunity to basically have a career in football not just being based in in England. Okay thanks E. So Trishan what, what do you think I mean I don't suppose there's not an easy answer to this question but what, what sort of things do you think need to change what what needs to be put into place to try and get more Asians involved more on a pl- well I guess the diversity code for instance is going to impact upon coaches I know quite a few clubs are doing other things around trying to get more 
minorities involved in the coaching side as well. But on the playing side, do you, what do you see with the kids? Do you see enough talent out there? Do you see pathways for them? What do you think needs to change? Um, I think like from grassroots upwards to like semi-pro, I think there's a lot of good work being done. I see a lot of community projects where clubs are engaging with, uh, engaging with the local community. I know Bradford do some fantastic things, Wolves, Leicester, Derby. Um, they're really are forging strong links with, um, with the local community, which will enable, you know, uh, young supporters to, to go and experience live games, which will hopefully inspire them not just to watch, but to play. Um, in my opinion, like to get more Asian players kind of through into academies and progressing through, I feel as if like the, the clubs need to be educated a little bit. So one of the things I noticed when I was like a PE leader was um, we I tried to set up a, a girls' cricket team. And what barrier I had was uh, a lot of them went to uh, the mosque after, straight after school uh, or they didn't have transport. So these kind of things obviously exist within like uh, families, within uh, cultures. And I'm not saying to for clubs to, to open a red carpet for us um, but I think they'd need to be a little bit more maybe it'd be able to adapt um, to to kind of help us get in um, so some players might not be able to commit to four or five sessions a week but actually say okay can you commit to three uh, rather than just kind of dismiss them um, but uh, I see a, a lot especially when I go I go for runs uh, down my local kind of uh, around my park and uh, the power league I see a lot of Asian groups just playing together uh, they just kind of like tend to keep we can't kind of kind of keep ourselves to ourselves I would like I would like us to kind of like try and mix a little bit more um but yes, it, it, it's tough. Like as you go on into the professional leagues, I think one of the big problems in in, in the pro game is is the boardrooms. I think I've said for a long time. I think these are the key decision makers. I think if we can make these boardrooms more diverse and again hold them hold them more accountable, I think we're going to make progress quicker. But listen, this is a, like a big can of worms. We could be here all night, couldn't we? Really speaking about this. Or we could set up a podcast and talk about it weekly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, listen, there is there is lots there. There's from all kinds of angles that could be done, that should be done, etc. Um, Okay, interesting. Z, anything else for Trishan? I just want to go back onto that point about what more can be done. Um, through a platform like this one on the podcast and, and, and other platforms, what we're finding is there are more and more uh, names that we weren't aware of. Uh, I think we, we kind of need to take stock of where we are actually as a community in, in football, both playing side, coaching and off the field as well. I think a platform like this helps because you're each week you're introducing a new name to the public they may or may not have heard of. And that helps build a, a community feel. Uh, and you also we always want to know where you are, like what's the state of play we are at at the moment to understand what progress is. And then like we've spoken with Trishan about his journey, we're learning about the journey, the pathways that people, individuals have taken and what we can learn from them and then see if there's any clues that we can get from that. Um, I think, I think 
it's it's amazing to have someone like Trishan. I've I've followed him for for two three years now and seen his progress both with his coaching he does with with young people and in non league football as well. It's 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 heartening for me and I just want more people to be aware of that both in our community first of all to empower them and also the wider communities as well in this country to say look there's 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 a mark that we're making so i just wanted to add that that point okay fantastic fair enough um all right so trishan if people want to know either what you're up to or want to just see what's the best way of them doing that is that through social media yeah i'd, I'd say um on my um, Instagram account at Trishan Patel Coaching, I've got a uh, website trishanpatelcoaching.com, which has got yeah all all the bits that I'm kind of currently doing. It's got videos on there working with uh, young players, professional players, uh, women's football. So have a little nose on there and connect with me. It'd be great to connect with you. All right, fantastic. At Trishan Patel Coaching, I will put it up on the website as well on Instagram. Okay, fantastic. Uh, right, Trishan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me on, guys. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>